Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. This week, we have some interesting Apple news and happenings. We're, of course, going to talk about that. Before we get into it, I did think it'd be a little bit interesting to let you guys know just some of the podcast analytics and stats. You're the the audience, but you don't always get a, a peek at, at these same stats. So it's kind of interesting, right? 74% of you are using iOS. That's not unexpected. My iPhone is probably the main way that I interact with podcasts as well. And I assume some of those people, maybe a good chunk, are listening in their car because that's one of the main places I listen to podcasts is in my car. But technically, that's through CarPlay, which runs off of my iPhone, right? So I think there's a lot of stuff in that 74% number there. What I was more surprised at was that 19% of you are listening on an Apple Watch, which is pretty cool. That's not my default place to listen to a podcast. I don't always think to just grab some AirPods and my Apple Watch and either go on a walk or do some, you know, whatever I'm doing, going about my business. I'm like, oh, I could use my Apple Watch and my AirPods. I don't usually think that, but 19% of you do that regularly, which is pretty cool. You know, for talking about Apple stuff all the time, I always uh, learn a lot or get reminded about stuff from the audience, from you guys, which is pretty cool. Also interesting is where you're listening from. So this is not going to be unexpected either, but 54% of you, a little over half, are listening from the U.S. That kind of mirrors our YouTube channel. Most of our audience there is also from the U.S. But the next three countries by listens are actually, see if you can guess, number two is the U.K., then there's Canada, and then there's Australia. So hello to all of you as well, and hello to everybody in the U.S., obviously. And then the three countries after that, I know you're not going to guess these, are Germany, India, and the Netherlands. And then it's just across the rest of the world. There's little pockets where people are listening all across the world. So what's up to everybody, wherever you're listening? I did want to give you an update because I made a fairly popular video uh, about an iPhone case a while back that I was really excited about. It was an ultra thin, clear, really minimalistic case. It was called, I've never liked an iPhone case more. And honestly, that's true. Here's a little bit of extra information now that it's been a few months since that came out. I've already replaced both the case and the screen protector from that video. Now, rewinding a little bit, you guys might know, I'm not typically a screen protector or case type of person if I can help it. I'm also not a huge Apple Care person either. I like Apple products without any cases on them. Then you run the risk they're going to get damaged, but I'm pretty nice to my stuff most of the time. But what drove me to finally put a screen protector on was I just couldn't stand those micro scratches anymore. You know, we had the ceramic shield and it's what it does is make it tougher, which means less crackable, but it doesn't really do anything in the micro scratches department. So that's why I picked up not only the peel and this is not an ad, not sponsored, although they saw the video and reached out and said, can we sponsor? And we couldn't come to an arrangement there. Not only did I order the th a super thin iPhone 13 Pro case, which was $35, and I got the hard version because there's hard and soft. Everyone asked me, and I didn't say in the video, I got the hard version. Actually, for the video, I got both, and I just ended up liking the hard case better than the soft. So not only did I get that, but I also got, for the first time, basically in, I don't know, half a decade, a screen protector from Peel, and I said they worked really good. They're like a system. They work together. So why did I end up replacing those? Well, the case... Um, it got a little bit beat up over time and the screen projector, I cracked, 
I was sitting at home in a chair and I don't know, I, I elbowed it off the armrest, just elbowed it right off, fell onto the wood floor and it cracked, cracked my screen protector. What's good is that it damaged the screen protector and it didn't damage my actual screen or my iPhone. So you might be wondering, why then did you reorder that case if it didn't hold up for all that long? Uh, or why did you get that screen protector again when it just cracked? The reason is there is close to having no case or protection on at all. And so even if I had to order it three times throughout the year, I would probably do that. A lot of people are like, well, this kind of case, it yellows over time. I haven't even had it long enough to know whether this peel case is going to get yellow over time. And I, honestly, I don't care because if it did, you know, I'm probably just would reorder. It's 30 bucks. A lot of you are going to be like, that's ridiculous. I would never want to reorder those things, you know, and it's not like super cheap, right? That ended up being like 70 bucks by the time I got both of those again. That's just what I like the best. And so here we are. I rebought both. So here's a question for you. Would you ever consider basically leasing your Apple hardware, not just your phone, similar to what you would do when you lease a car? Because that is something that Apple is actually considering. So everything is going subscription these days. Apple obviously has the Apple One subscription and they've put all their different services into one bundle. You can subscribe separately, of course, but if you want everything at a slight discount, you can get Apple One. So Apple is basically becoming obsessed with subscriptions and that obsession is now carrying over potentially into the hardware realm. Now my immediate reaction to this is this could be good or this could be bad. I'm not really sure what I think about it yet. I do know this. Some people are gonna see this and be like, okay, well now I can afford the Mac Studio or uh, some iPad that I could never afford before because I can get it at just a cheaper you know, an affordable rate, but ongoing. So I see some people are going to be like pretty excited about it for that reason. In the same way that people probably could lease a luxury car that maybe they wouldn't be able to just normally afford outright if they just bought it. Kind of like that. One thing just right off the bat that I'm thinking is people have so much subscription fatigue. I feel like I almost talk about it every other episode on the podcast because even if it's small, like $6 a month, or a bunch of movies that someone might like from a new streaming service, people are like, I don't know if I even wanna pay that. So obviously I have no idea what it would actually cost to do this sort of a hardware lease with, you know, we, we've seen kind of like payment programs for iPhones, but what would it cost for like a really decked out Mac or, you know, the top of the line iPad Pro, for instance? Probably quite a bit. Something interesting to think about, an angle here is that we've kind of, as Apple customers, told Apple that we're on board with subscriptions. Go ahead and, and use subscriptions with us, right? With Apple Music, how many of us are Apple Music subscribers? That's an ongoing subscription. Same thing with iCloud. You know, if you want to make sure all your stuff's backed up and you have plenty of cloud storage, you get a little bit for free. But if you are serious about it, you've told Apple, I'm okay with a subscription for that too. And the list goes on and on and on. Apple Arcade. Apple News Plus, Apple Fitness Plus. Now, I don't subscribe to most of this stuff um, because I really, honestly, at the end of the day, I mostly like Apple's hardware the best. When it gets to its services and its content, I'm mostly not very interested. But something that's interesting, if you're looking at the Apple One subscription, because you know this is a subscription that we already know Apple's put out there, 
They've got individual, family, and premier subscriptions. Would they do something similar on the hardware side? That's interesting to think about. An individual subscription, you know, for your new Mac Studio, or a family subscription if if a couple people want some Apple devices in a premiere, if you just get all access to stuff, there's a lot of interesting ways that Apple could potentially approach this. Now, if this is something that's like really exciting for you, it sounds like it's either been pushed back a little bit or might be on hold because Apple's first priority at the moment, according to Bloomberg, it seems to be a, a buy now, pay later service. And I understand that when I put together my crypto course, uh, I had two options. I let people pay $150 for the full course or uh, people could do four payments and break that down a little bit and make it a little easier to afford. So, you know, Apple is always thinking, how can we sell more stuff to people? And so I know that people buy a lot more uh, of my crypto course anyways when I offer that payment plan. And obviously Apple's gonna do that if they can get more sales that way. Now, this honestly isn't just being pulled out of thin air, this whole idea. There's already companies out there, hardware companies, who are offering customers hardware in subscription format. One of those is Peloton. And they recently started testing a subscription service that says that lets consumers lease their bikes and their fitness content for between 60 and $100 per month. Now, did you catch that? It's not just the bikes, it's also the content. And just, I feel like in the same way that Apple has traditionally been all about, we don't just make the devices, but we also make the software. And because of that integration, our stuff's so much better. Apple's starting to also say, we don't just make the hardware, but we also make the services for the content as well. And that's a differentiator that you're not gonna get from Google or Huawei or OnePlus, because in a lot of ways, those other companies are starting to catch up in, in a lot of Apple's cool, innovative ecosystem features. So this content push, these subscriptions is another way <laughs> not only for Apple to make money, but for them, they're trying to say, hey, we're doing stuff that you're not gonna find elsewhere. Isn't that a great service for you? Wink, wink. And another example that we could give of hardware companies uh, offering leases would be Google with their Chromebooks. I gotta say, that's mostly targeted to corporations rather than consumers. So that is a little different, but it's not like this isn't out there happening already. So I'd be really surprised, I'll tell you right now, if this doesn't eventually the next couple of years, make it out there into the actual realm of, of possibility. Here's something kind of interesting that I came across this week. Apple has apparently pushed out an update for users of the Magic Keyboard with the iPad that will let you adjust, this sounds so dumb when I'm saying it, adjust the backlighting on the keyboard easier. The reason that I'm laughing right now is because there's obviously no row of function keys on the Magic Keyboard for the iPad, and that's something that people have been complaining about. Some people don't care. Some people don't even notice because, you know, the whole thinking is, well, for a lot of stuff, just go into the control center, right? It's one swipe, and then you get all your controls right there that you would normally use the F keys for. But other people are like, no, it's ridiculous. I have to get something like the Logitech Combo Touch that has uh, more functionality to it, stuff I've gotten used to that I need. So here's the old way that you had to do it, just so you know and it doesn't work anymore after the latest update. You had to go into settings, you had to go to general, you had to type, uh, tap on keyboard, and then you had to tap on hardware keyboard and then adjust the, the keyboard brightness there, which basically would mean almost nobody would ever do that. I know I never, ever, ever did that. It would never even crossed my mind. The other question is why would you ever want to do that? Well, obviously it has to do with battery life. 
And this is a whole bigger topic, actually. The Magic Keyboard that you just buy from the Apple Store, I talked about this recently, but I'm going to talk about it again. Uh, I went into the, uh, just for your Mac, I'm saying, the, the, the brand new one that has Touch ID. I went into the Apple Store and I asked the dude, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm interested in the new Touch ID Magic Keyboard from a Mac, standalone, and does it have backlight now? And he was like, oh, I'm sure it does. And he went and checked and he was astonished to find out, oh no, it doesn't. There's no backlight there. And the reason that that matters to me is because I often wake up really early when it's still dark outside and I don't always turn on all the lights in the office, keep kind of dim, right? Because I'm waking up and you, there's plenty of times when you need a backlight so you can see what you're typing. Uh, it just makes sense. I can't believe in modern times, Apple puts out a keyboard that doesn't have backlit keys. So they do, but the Magic Keyboard thankfully does have that backlighting for the iPad. And the reason you might want to adjust it really has to do with battery life. So uh, if you are like, I don't need it to be as bright as, you know, as it can be all day, I, I'm going to want to stretch out how long this thing lasts for me today. You could go in and adjust it. Uh, and alternatively, if you're like, no, this is a really dark environment and I want it as bright as possible, which typically I would want it as bright as possible all the time. I'm mostly at my desk anyways where I can plug in. Okay, well, it does in fact happen in Control Center now. So you go into Control Center in your settings and you can add that keyboard brightness. And it's just in the list of included things, right? A lot of people don't realize there's a lot of stuff you can add in there that's not in there by default. So you might just take a look around there while you're there and see what else you might want to add in. And then once you've got it in there, you can drag it around, you know, the order, get it where you want and have a nice fine control with the slider over how bright or dim you want that to be. So yeah, this is so much better. Is it better than having function keys in the first place that are just dedicated? I don't know. I'll let you guys fight that out in the comments. Well, here's an interesting question, one that I've wondered myself plenty of times. Should you get a refurbished Apple product, a refurbished Mac, iPhone, iPad, etc.? Is it worth it? If I wasn't a tech reviewer in the first place, I think my default stance towards buying refurbished would probably be I would buy refurbished, which means you got to wait a little bit. You're not going to get something the second it comes out. It's usually months later, a few months down down the line before the refurbished products start showing up. But I've thought to myself many times, you know, I would absolutely buy something refurbished. For me, there's not a stigma about that. Also, it's less wasteful, just in general, right? Because people, you know, have a problem with their Apple product and, you know, one in a million or however much it ends up being, they send it back to support and support's like, okay, we're gonna have to replace this for you. But then what is Apple gonna do with that defective device? They're gonna refurbish it, make it like new, and then resell it at a very slight discount. So I'm just looking over the Apple's refurbished Mac section right now, uh, just to see what there is. Right now, there's refurbished Mac Mini with the Apple M1 chip, it's eight cores for 589 bucks. So that means you save 110 bucks. There's also a refurbished 13.3 inch MacBook Air with the M1, seven core GPU, it's the gold color, it's 849 bucks. Normally that would retail for 999, so a savings of 150. So that kind of gives you an idea of about how much we're talking about in terms of savings. The thing is though, uh, I've tracked the refurb products, the official Apple refurb products, and there's a difference if you get something refurbished by Apple itself versus a third party. They go pretty fast. And some people are, are militant about it. They're like, why are you talking about this right now? I know they're getting ready to comment. Don't talk about this because I don't want everyone to know about it. Save it for me. This is like an inside thing. I don't want everyone to know about it because it's a good deal. Now, in case you didn't know, 
every Apple refurb goes through a certification process. That means it's going to be fully functional. So like with iOS devices, for instance, it's going to get a brand new shell on the outside. It's also going to get a fresh battery. That's important. <laughs> you don't want uh, a slightly damaged or used battery, right? It's as good as new. And importantly, this is the big thing. Every certified Apple refurbished product comes with a full one-year warranty. I should point out, though, the reason why some people do go with that third party is because you can get uh, an even better deal. But for me, that wouldn't be worth the savings. Uh, for me, I would always go with an actual certified Apple refurbished product. And honestly, what is the only downside for, for getting a refurb product? The only downside, as far as I can see it, is that you have to wait a little bit longer to get whatever it is that you're after. That's it. Or that they're going to sell out immediately. You got to like monitor Apple's refurbished site because things go really fast. People are waiting for the product that they want and there's like batches of things that appear and yeah, they go really fast. In fact, the competition for actual certified refurbished Apple stuff is so intense that a whole website has popped up to help you track the exact device that you want when that comes in stock so that you can be one of those first people to rush in and make your purchase. The website is refurb-tracker for the first one that I'm thinking about. And there's actually another one. There's refurb.me. So both of those will track refurbished products that pop up on Apple's official site. And uh, it's really cool. You can customize your alert. You can say which country, US for me, which product or products. You can check them. It's got everything, Apple Watch, Apple TV, even Mac accessories. And then you can also filter by keyword. So you can get really specific here. When the thing you want pops up, you can know absolutely that it's there. So you don't have to waste your time. You can even put in minimum and maximum price that you want to uh, subscribe to. So this is really neat. I'm reading a little bit here about how Apple tests their refurb products. It says each product is tested to make sure it's in working condition. Um, and that phase includes several tests, such as full burn-in testing for displays. So it's pretty thorough. Um, defective modules are identified during the testing process and replaced with functioning parts. So iPads, iPhones, iPod touches, <laughs> iPods, they're still a thing. You can still buy an iPod. They receive brand new batteries, new outer enclosures, each product's thoroughly cleaned and inspected by Apple employees. That's important. You don't want some nasty phone, right? So it's not just that it has new stuff and just that it's been tested. It's also clean and also gets repackaged with all the appropriate cables and manuals. And it also gets a plain white box. And then it also gets a new serial number. So that's sort of like the process of how something goes from needing to be refurbished to actually re refurbished. Before we wrap up this section, I just want to let you know like a bit more what you could expect in terms of percentage discounts per product. So if you're looking at um, a laptop, you could be expecting like a 15% discount, 14 to 15%. If you're looking at uh, a Mac desktop version of a Mac, you're looking at 15 to 16%. It looks like basically 15 to 18% across the board almost. I mean, that means you're going to be saving like 50 to 150 bucks probably, depending on the product. So if it's worth it to you, if you have some time to wait, uh, start using one of these tracking sites and get in on the good deals. And if you want to, you can still purchase Apple Care on it. So again, what's the downside? All right, let's move on to a, an interesting story that I've been seeing popping up around the internet. I wanted to just talk about it for a second. Someone at The Verge, I don't know if they started this or if it's been a thing before that or, or not. They're talking about this idea of having a slap top. And this is a, a term that is, looks like they coined. And basically it's like decapitating their MacBook, taking the screen off, just using the horsepower under the hood 
under the keyboard there with the keyboard, with the trackpad and connecting it to like a TV using AirPlay, I take it. Apparently what got this Verge person uh, interested in this, what pushed in this, in this direction was a patent that was published and it was titled Computer in an Input Device. And it's a patent that says Apple's considering building a Mac its components would be housed inside an input device like a magic keyboard, creating a brand new type of all-in-one machine that could be used with any display. So basically the virtual room is like, hey, I could make that right now. Take the screen off of my MacBook. And that's basically what you got. There's also an article that came out uh, from iOS Hacker that's talking about people in China that are using their MacBook Pro without a screen. Uh, it's the same exact scene, uh, thing where they've decapitated the Mac. And uh, yeah. I, I'm not even going to read it because I don't really care why or how this came up. What's interesting to me, honestly, is Samsung has DeX, and I just covered this, which lets you plug your phone or your tablet into an external monitor, and then it becomes very computer-like, kind of like Chrome OS-like. And Apple also has the Mac Studio, which is a basically kind of the same sort of a concept where you have a Mac that doesn't have a screen of its own. That's kind of just the brain that you can hook different accessories and peripherals into, and then it becomes a functioning system. Basically, people are interested in new ways to use computers or to new ways to adapt computers to their, their work or their lifestyle, which is really nothing new. And part of the thing is like computers have become so expected so long in the tooth, the designs that it's almost like people are taking it upon themselves to evolve the industry for the industry. Uh, and again, it looks like it's been trending on Twitter. This tweet here shows that same setup. If you're listening to this, there's a dude with a MacBook and uh, it's just the MacBook and it's hooked up to an external display. It says more and more people are buying a MacBook Pro without a screen to use as a Mac mini. Not only does it have a trackpad and a keyboard, but it also has better speakers and the main price is particularly affordable. So part of it is like, hey, it also has the speakers as well. It's like everything but the display and it's better than what you're gonna get elsewhere, which is funny because this is sort of what Apple has been saying about the studio display. And you know, people have been talking about it also on Reddit. So I kind of do see why someone might do this, especially if you could get uh, like a used computer somewhere and this would be like cheap for you to do on a budget or, or if you were like a student or something, you could hack together a pretty interesting setup this way. I could see someone who likes to tinker around with stuff, just having some fun, right? And inventing something new. They're going to call it a slab top, but honestly it's ridiculous. So this person is saying, uh, are they going to keep it? And he's saying it's a tough decision. I don't know who this writer is or anything. I didn't even look, but for me, it seems pretty ridiculous. He says, quote, I enjoy holding my slab top, carrying it around and showing it to people as they gaze at it in childlike wonder. And that's really the main thing, right? They like people commenting about it, made a, a whole article about it. That's mostly what I think they like. Because let's be honest, is it better without the screen? Objectively, no. So Dyson came out with some new headphones, but they're not just headphones. They're also air filters. And they don't just look like normal headphones either. There's a mouthpiece section that comes down. It's optional, it looks like covers your mouth. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. This seems like at the outset, 
a product that a vacuum company said, how do we expand? How can we put our vacuum and filtering technology into something else? Oh, let's put it into headphones. So these are called the Dyson Zones. They're air purifying headphones with active noise cancellation. And I'm willing to, to guess, I haven't checked these out yet. They probably sound pretty decent. That's my guess. The headphone market is so crowded right now. <laughs> is this really the point that we've reached where we need to start adding air filters so you can breathe less pollution while you're listening to your music? It's kind of bizarre. The very next section on Dyson's website is battling air pollution. It says city air can be high in pollutants from industrial emissions to car exhaust and in public spaces, air can also contain higher levels of bacteria and allergens. So apparently Dyson envisions a future. Would you call it dystopian or utopian? <laughs> Where everyone's walking around with these crazy headphones and it looks like something from Daft Punk or, or sci-fi with these mouthpieces. No one wants to live in a society where everyone's wearing these mouthpieces and you can't even see somebody's mouth when they're talking to you, right? So then if you scroll down on Dyson's website, it's gonna tell you they've got 30 years of filtration expertise, six years of research. They did 500 prototypes, it's showing a bunch of the prototypes here. So it looks like they've been working on this for six years. This is looking really ridiculous, the prototypes here. And one of the places they went to test this was in Beijing, one of the most polluted cities on the planet. And I don't see any talk about COVID or viruses or, ba or bacteria here. It looks like it's mostly or almost completely targeted at pollution. And, you know, like the tech enthusiast in me is like, hey, this is an interesting new application for tech. It's interesting. So I'm interested in it. That's why I'm talking about it. But I'm not interested in buying one. It just makes you think like... <laughs> What other companies out there thinking, well, you know what we need to do is make some headphones and put our signature piece of technology in it. Like, is Sony out there thinking, you know, let's add some cameras, some really great cameras with interchangeable lenses into our headphones. You know, the companies are starting to dream up some really crazy stuff. I don't know that there is going to be a huge market for these. They look premium also. Judging by what Dyson charges for their vacuums and other products, I don't think this is going to be cheap. I'll be really surprised if this product ever comes, number one, to be actual, you know, something you can buy, because right now you can only register your interest for when it launches. And number two, if it lasts for more than a year, if it ever does come out. And to be clear, I'm not saying like, this is stupid or unnecessary. Um, it's, it's interesting, but it also, it just doesn't feel like a necessary thing. If you wanted a cheaper solution, you could put a bag over your head, cut out some eye holes, and you're going to block other things, some allergens and stuff that way, you know? All right, well, I think we're going to wrap it up for this week's podcast right there. We talked about some interesting stuff. I do want to let you know, coming up on the channel, on the main channel, we have some interesting accessories videos. I know people are always pretty excited about that, and I got some good stuff, some stuff I can't wait to show off. Uh, one of them is, I'm just going to tell you one thing, an insane doc uh, I've never seen anything like it for your desk setup. This isn't a little dock. It's huge, and it does a ton. You're going to be amazed when you see it. I'm amazed by the pictures, and I can't wait to go hands-on uh, with some of that signature daily tech enthusiasm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Of course, this has been fun with the podcast. I'll definitely look forward to connecting with you guys again next Friday. And in case you didn't realize, uh, if in case you didn't know, Daily Tech has a clips channel, and that's the only place where you can watch the clips from this podcast. The, the whole podcast is not available in video form at the moment anywhere. 
So if you want to watch the podcast, uh, you can check out the Clips channel. And also, you'll see some clips uh, for the main channel and at some point, maybe some exclusive clips too that, that just live there as well. So make sure you're checking it out. It's the Daily Tech, Daily T-E-K-K Clips channel. You can just search for it on YouTube and you'll find it. And real quick, before we wrap it up, I just want to run something by you guys. Um, are, would you be interested in being able to submit to me things that you're thinking about buying or would be interested in buying for me to go hands-on with first and give you my feedback and information about that, my opinion? Uh, if you would, let me know. You got to drop me somehow a comment. Probably on Twitter would be the best, at Daily Tech on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram. You could send a DM that way. Uh, but let me know or, or just drop a comment on one of the you know videos on, on the channel or the clips because we're always thinking about how we could better uh, help you guys out. So yeah, let us know. And my producer wants me to let you know it doesn't have to be Apple. It could be or it could be Apple adjacent or it could be to totally something different. So let us know. Other than that, thanks for hanging out. It's been fun. I'll catch you guys in the next video or podcast or clip or tweet later.